1: And welcome to the NXT 2.0 oh, oh. Spring Break-In Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley boys, Michael Hanfler from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0 oh, Spring Break-In. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0 but, oh, but also. <laughs> Jeez. And this is Rampage, baby. <laughs> as well as reviews and premium live events, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a yeah. bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review NXT 2.0. Spring breaking. What do you make of the show?
0: I don't care about the show. Who was the wrestler lately that did that like with his fist? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like
0: <laughs> I, I feel like it, it wasn't CM Punk when he saw his own graphic for the world title? But it <laughs> might have been Nathan Fraser I said he said, give her like just <laughs> punch the air with joy. That's how I feel when you like when I when I remember that this is the interview. Where he's gonna <laughs> do all the voices. Here it goes. And now he's got a rampage and you can take it mate. Right, what's um so we're previewing SmackDown, yeah. No, right. So aye, this this was not good. It no. was great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where, that's where that sentence is going. <laughs> uh, aye, this was. Um, this had a couple of high points. I'd agree that I genuinely look forward to earnestly praising and analysing. Um, we talked a little bit about NXT Two Point existing in this strange space. So it occupies so many of Vince McMahon's desires as played out through his, for the want of a better phrase, druids. (laughs) uh, John Laurinaitis and Bruce Pritchard, who um, are able to manifest their vision of his vision, right? But we also know that Shawn Michaels has kind of hung around. Uh, We know that Triple H can't quite yet scrape it off the bottom of his shoe as much Mm -hmm. as he probably wishes he could. Um, And maybe it's... I don't want to just, like, divvy up the credit to the people who are known to have done this before and then, like, save the criticism for the people that we typically don't like. But somewhere within this warped system, stories follow through, and you get things that, you know, A to B to C stories, it's very basic stuff, but they manage it, and then you kind of remember things. Then you get the occasional good match off the back of it because an okay story has been told. These TV specials tend to foster at least one or two of those, Mm. and I think we got that here. But NXT 2.0 is so ruthlessly, furiously, almost with the determination itself, that even these shows from a few months ago, when it was like, hey, do you know what? When they just switched the horniness off and the spunk and the weird attempt to tug at the lame and lazy penises of the 65-year-old men that watch this show, this ain't such a bad wrestling show. And now it's like, it's still mainly tugging at the penises. (laughs) You just get the odd wrestling match in between. The days of their, what was the first special? It was like, it came like before, what it was Halloween Havoc. Yeah. And it sort of feels like, is this, is the Halloween Havoc branding, this like blessed thing in WWE where like Halloween Havoc will take a show and elevate it. And it's like, now they've really got where they want to be. Like you get a couple of matches where we'll all have to stroke our chins and be like, not so bad. And then the next (laughs) oh, the the path by the beach is really hot without me (laughs) flip-flops. Like just, uh, come on. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that is fair assessment all in all. Um, we'll run through the show and we'll, we'll get to the bits that we liked, some bits we didn't like. I did like the opening to this show. Ass, 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 skin, 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 skin. Psych is pretty deadly. Legit great. Like,
0: again, like, it often sounds like we just received this show with no respect whatsoever. Legit great asked and answered criticism of, like, we put this on to AEW even. Bash at the beach, give some hunks. Give some bodies like as long with all the women that you put in the bikinis and objectify. Let's objectify some men too. Fair play to the show that objectifies women more than any other show in yep. pro wrestling. Putting two blokes on at the beginning for them to be
1: pretty sexy guys. Is WWE more progressive than AEW all of a sudden? No, okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, lovely stuff. They run but through but the AEW's card not, for AEW's us, not great. Uh, and then you know, get get catch a bit of sun and then mm-hmm. dive into the swimming pool. Yes, boy. Yeah.
0: I... I, I, I I am starting to get it. Yeah. I, th- I don't think Pretty Deadly can quite back up this, this thing they've got, this gimmick they've got, this image they've got in the matches yet. I will reserve judgment. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think I'm starting to get it with yeah, Pretty me too. Deadly. I think. Really want someone to punch them in the face. <laughs>
0: And is that not the job of a wrestling heel? Yeah. Uh,
1: And then we started with arguably the best match of the night, the triple threat (laughs) for the NXT North American Championship with Solo Sokoa, Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams with him at ringside, and Cameron Graves. (laughs) (laughs) Serious now. He's doing this for family. his nice hair. Um, And, you know, to a certain extent, I, I thought initially... I was a little bit, I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed because it just sort of was a very by-the-numbers triple threat. Mm. knocking you down so two of us can fight and what have you. But i got to admit, by the end, I was hooked. Um, we started off, Carmelo he, Hayes uh, basically gets teamed up on because he tries to set, pit them against each other and like, no, you're the bella. And so they beat him up, he keeps getting knocked out of the ring and that allows Grimes and Solo Sokoa to go at it a bit. Eventually Hayes recovers though, comes in and hits that nice springboard guillotine leg drop that looks so good from him. Uh, that thing takes us to a break. We come back. Solo Sokoa is in control, uh, and this is when they started pulling out the big spots. There was a, a Tower of Doom spot. Grimes was using a Hurricane Runner on Sakoa, uh, and there was a, whilst that was going on, there was a superplex happening at the same time. That got a holy shiz chance. Uh, followed by uh, a This Is Awesome chat. And I thought it's not quite there yet, mm-hmm. but there was some nice big spots. Um, I mean, it wasn't as good as Edge and Edge Stars at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, Camera Grimes was sort of running things. He uh, hit a Poison Rana to get a two count. Hayes cuts off Grimes uh, and they got us a two count off the back of that. Um, a super kick from midair allows Sokoa to cut off Hayes, and uh, then he hits a super fly splash, and it has to be broken up at the last second. There was a couple of spots in here, because I went in going, yeah, cameron, Cameron's cameron got it, he's fine. Yeah. And then my only doubt was maybe they flip it back to Carmelo Hayes. But I have to admit, there was a couple of times in this match where I thought, A, Carmelo Hayes was about to win, and B, I think it was that one. Yeah, it was the super fly splash from Sokoa. And I thought, oh, my God, they're putting it on Sokoa. And I was like, you know, I said this before. There's this, my brain... Generally, is quite slow, <laughs> but there's times when it goes light speed. Mm. Like in between the one, two, and the kick out, my brain can go, "Oh, they're putting the Thailand solo to cold." So I guess that means Carmelo Hayes and, and Trick Williams and Cameron Grimes moving on to the main roster. Well, That's going to oh, he's kicked out. That what you
0: just described really wonderfully. You talk about your brain being too slow. That's that's bollocks, mate. Because what you've done there is articulate. What a near fall is supposed to feel like. Yeah. Your brain is supposed to go 100 miles an hour, thinking of permutations already beyond it, because you have decided in your mind that this is going to be three, thus creating the drama and the tension of it not being a three. Mm. I'm glad you isolated that one for praise, because I genuinely bit on like we'll get to you know the post match analysis, but I genuinely bit on that near fall in all the organic ways that you were supposed to, because you've like shock of all shocks actually lost yourself to the action.
1: Yeah, like I I didn't see that coming. Uh, anyway, the finish came as uh, Sokoa got haze up on his shoulders for a uh, Samoan drop. And then Cameron Grimes came out of nowhere with a cave in, uh, off the top rope and uh, covers him. One, two, three. Cameron Grimes retains. That automatically adds an extra star on it to my book. But <laughs> I, I genuinely thought this was the best match of the night.
0: It was. Um, we've said this before as well. If ever a match has a chance of thriving on 2.0, it's in the opener, isn't it? Because there's not other been like other... Yeah, minging stuff on the show that yeah. kind of puts you in, not necessarily in a bad mood, but just in less of a mood to consume like, great wrestling. So you get it here, and then it's like your analogy of always, you know, you've got to like eat your vegetables first. Yeah. Like... In NXT, you kind of need to have the good stuff first because, like, the vegetables will make you feel a little bit sick. (laughs) It'll it'll turn out that the vegetables have been off for absolutely ages (laughs) or they've been, like, being left to fester in that box. painted them green. I don't know what your problem is. (laughs) (laughs) They've been left to fester in your fridge box to the point where you wouldn't even make soup out of them at this point. But but they've been, like, boiled for a bad roast dinner. Um, This was not that. This was... um, trending towards something better than I think it was ultimately allowed to be. They felt so, and you know, this is WWE, this is NXT, it's a developmental with a ceiling on it, and they felt like they were required to hit certain beats that I think stopped this from becoming something we would have otherwise had a bit more, a few more raves for. Yeah. Like, that near fall, as I say, like a near fall is not just a thing that happens over 2 seconds or 2.75 seconds or 2.999 seconds or whatever. It happens over like five to ten minutes. You've got to start feeling stuff for characters long before they arrive at that kickout, you know. And ultimately, you know, you as a fan might want Cameron Grimes to retain, let's say. But equally, by buying Solo Sokoa, the rank outsider of this match winning the belt, they've wrestled to the point yeah. where you were you were in that. Um, and that gets forgotten sometimes when like when finisher kickouts are, are talked about and when just too many kickouts are talked about in general, it's not so much um oh, well, now I don't believe that uh, death-defying double-flipping power driver <laughs> isn't real because somebody kicked out a two. It's how did you actually... Like, what was your genuine emotional response when somebody rolled a shoulder up? And, like, this is, like, a very simplistic example, but it's an example of it done right. Uh, there was a lot to like here. They were just never... As much as I enjoyed it, it's it's so hard for any wrestler to wrestle around the wires of, of a WWE yeah. match, and I, I don't think they quite did. And... And, like, a lot can be... You've said this yourself before, like, about shows in general where, like, the last segment is great and you bound into the, the officer at the studio being like, how amazing was that three-hour wrestling show? And it was like, Wilbon, can I stop you? Two hours, 50 minutes were terrible. <laughs> the finish wasn't great, and it certainly wasn't the highlight of a match that had a few other highlights mm. in it. And I think, like, that's one of my pet hates in wrestling, when there's a finish or a big move that gets the win, when other stuff has been better. It, like, plays in my suspension of disbelief, personally. This, yeah. was, this
1: was, like... Really, very good. Yeah, really enjoyed that and uh, just very happy for Cameron Grimes. Then we uh, see a skit with Mandy Rose going to a tanning shop and what have you. Uh, but when she goes into the tanning bed, who should appear but Wendy Chu who sneaks in and changes the timer so Rose gets burned. I didn't really like the insinuation of all that, if I'm perfectly honest. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, in comes... That was uh, a literal
0: uh, murder scene or death scene in one of the Final, yeah, Destination, Final Destination movies, is not yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, and, yeah, Gigi Doli and JC Jane come out and go, oh, and Mandy Rose doesn't realize, comes out. She's me when I go out in any weather, basically, <laughs> in July. And uh, they go, you can't come to the beach with us now. And they say, oh, Mandy, yeah, how about you take some time to just let it sort of recover, basically. But that was not going to be the last we saw of Toxic Attraction. We get an interview with Nathan Fraser ahead of his debut match against Grace and Bloody Waller. He says it's like every birthday and Christmas rolled into one. It stunk. It's absolutely stunk. Look, I'm not gonna like
0: just give the age-old thing about oh why does every WWE wrestler have to be living their dream? Because like we're at the point now where it's legitimate. Like he signed this. Like it was all part of that big discourse around him signing, wasn't it? Probably is like, true for once. It's, it's true. Like he he it was like he was getting these raves and he was working for free in AEW, which wasn't ideal. But like he was it was like a the the. the Conversation he was building up around himself suggested that there would be something very exciting for him. And then he goes into a system where you kind of disappear for a while and they mold you and shape you into what they want. They want you to be some clear omnipotence, as they want to call you. Like, so I will take a little bit of following your dream stuff, but like, Christ Almighty. Dial it back, mate. Yeah. Dial it, like, I'm doing my dream job right now. I don't start every podcast. Like, I mean, I wake up every morning, and I tell my wife, it's another dream day with <laughs> Will Bourne and Seedric. Like, I leap out of bed, covers off. I'm already dressed for work because I got dressed the night before because I was so excited. But I wouldn't say that on every podcast because no. people would start getting sick of it. Nathan Frazier is a particularly egregious example of this problem because the stuff in the ring is the stuff that should Do the talking. That's the whole point of a guy like Nathan Frazier. So you want to live your dreams. You be the best at wrestling so that you can live the dream in the wrestling company. Mm. Not start off before, well, all right, you hit that one move last week. But before a bell is even rang, turn up being like, I'm just living my dreams. So what? Like walking at the locker room and getting changed into shorts was living your dream. (laughs) Like what element of this is the dream? Was it walking into the performance center, like instead of an actual wrestling venue? Is that living your dream? None of this is dream stuff. None of it feels relatable. And it's just, like, it's that cheesy, culty side of WB that I can't. I've gone too long on this. thought it was basically a fluff interview. But no, it really, I get it. It I boils get my it wind, piss, man.
1: winds you up. And, and I'll get your thoughts more on Toxic Attraction a little bit later on. <laughs> um, because then we got the Creed brothers warming up uh, ahead of their match with uh, Viking Raiders, of course. And Roderick Strong comes in. He's always been the leader of Diamond Mine, <laughs> uh, And he said, I'm in charge of the team. And, you know, just do what I say and you'll win and don't let me down this time. And the Creed's giving a little bit of a look and poor Ivy Niles there in the background. I feel so bad for this this stable because it's been ripped to pieces it's, on multiple times.
0: Well, it's the reality of decisions being made by the spreadsheet first and the creative second, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, like he doesn't know he doesn't get a good rap for much these days and, and rightfully so, you could argue. But you remember when Jim Cornette used to be furious with how this OVW world he was creating was just destroyed by somebody, Vincent Mano John Laurinaitis saying, I want them. I want you to cut your hair. The Basham brothers is the big one. They were called up as a tag team, even though Basham and Damager were having like a year-long feud together, and it was like, no, they're going to look like now. What the hell do I do with this, you know? This is like a a minor version of that, and in a way, that's Karmic against the John Laurinaitis, but they might craft these storylines, and then Nick might just go, delete cell. and that person is lifted off, and it just happens like that. So you have to
1: recalibrate Diamond Mine. You have to re... And there's... A well, more yeah, egregious
0: ju- example to come, but... Yeah. yeah, I was
1: just about to get to Indy Hartwell. Oh. Sat backstage, looking sad, looking at her wedding ring. Obviously, Dexter Loomis been released. Um I said this a little bit on the news. I don't know. I get it. Mm-hmm. You and I get it. Mm-hmm. Listeners will probably get it. But casual fans, what do they think's happened? Because there's no explanation given. It was just Indy Hartwell looking sad at her ring. Duke Hudson shuffled in to be like, yeah, same. Then there's a bit of sexual tension. Oh, are they going to kiss... And uh, no bloody way from both of them effects. So well, yeah, I'm not, I don't want none of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's the end of the segment. But, like I say, casual fans may not know what that's about. And more in-the-know fans will think, it's really a time to be making a joke about something like this? This is... So we, I think,
0: like covered how yeah. not on this was in the news. Not as a cheap plug, but like go and check out uh, me being allowed in the news studio. It'll, <laughs> it'll never happen again because I went too long on a sneaker player. But, um, Go on, like me and Wilbon have tried to cover it. Anyone listening to this, I would like to think, is discerning enough to know that it's just not on to like have a bit of a piss-taking knockabout segment about people that have actually yes. legitimately lost their jobs. It's rubbish crack. It's always rubbish when they do it. No company should do it. It's terrible practice across the board. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but hugely anecdotal this, and I feel like we've... like. To be fair, we should have got a name because we should start sending the royalty checks. But me and you were at Standard Deliver, very privileged to be at Standard Deliver in... Well, privileged to be in Dallas, less so at Stand and Deliver. <laughs> but we were privileged to be at Stand and Deliver, and in front of us um, was a young girl yes. who had told us... She was just really excited to be at the show. And Four her parents, signs, didn't four she? Four signs with her. Uh, like, and her parents had brought her to this specific show. She told us that she one of her friends was going to WrestleMania, but she wasn't. Yeah. Her parents had brought her from somewhere else in Texas to this show... Um, because she's a big fan, she's discovered wrestling through NXT 2.0. Now we know her to be an anomaly compared to what we know of the NXT demographic. Yes. right? but she was—I would estimate around 10 or 11 years old—and mm-hmm. she had signs she really liked Cora Jade and Tony D'Angelo. She—the the, the big takeaway for us was that when Champa was like saying goodbye, people were chatting Johnny Wrestling, and she was like, "Why? What? Who's that?" Yeah, and like there was something that like a little light bulb went off yeah, for the pair same. of us, didn't it? It was like, "Whoa, wow, yeah, this is like." you never know who you're catering for on the wrestling show. And it certainly made me think about like our coverage and things like that. And it's only one person and it's all very, you know, subjective and that. It's not driven by any kind of data. But I sort of found myself wondering what that girl thought of this because she's receiving these characters as who she likes and who she doesn't. And, you know, aside from the, at times, literal, all too literal, dick measuring between Dexter Leomis and Duke Hudson in that cowboy comparison segment, she is invested in these characters by my math, she would have been watching around the time of the wedding, for example. Yes. So, like, knows Dexter Lee Miss knows Indie Hartwell, all that sort of stuff. What does she take from this? Like, what does she actually take? Other than, and I hate that she's had to learn it this way, everybody fucks, right? Other than that, like, sooner or later, everybody has sex. Like <laughs> that was a Terrible lesson for a child, like, to be taught in this specific way. But what does she take about these characters specifically? Yeah. Like, she has to, like, ask... Where's Dexter Loomis? She has to ask where's Persia Perotta. They're not taking off in um they're not taking off television in a way where the characters go off in different directions or maybe, you know, like I've been hitting like sort of asking the questions about how you deal with the MSK situation. They have at very least tried to pretty much restart a career. Yes. It's not just been, uh oh, what am I gonna do? I need a tag partner for my tag match against the Creed Brothers. Yeah. Like that's been quite a like a big Restart for exactly him. they're just fanning on with these two people like it's nothing and like real lives are affected at the same yeah. time it's bad all the way around I'm sorry I've like ran long on that no one. no I, said I, I wouldn't agree, when be covered it in the news but it's it's like all of this is off
1: yeah absolutely uh, what was on though was uh, the debut of Nathan I don't know Nathan Fraser or Nathan Frazier oh um I think it's it Fraser Fraser. Okay. Is it Fr? I think it's Fra- no, I'm gonna say Fraser. Okay. Nathan Fraser. We'll do both. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll find. F A F R A Z Z E R S E R You do the match recap. I'll do the okay. uh, I'll do the I'll do the Ben Carter <laughs> <laughs> Remember Ben Carter? Yeah, Ben Carter. <laughs> I knew I'd say that one. Anyway, he's facing Grace and Bloody Waller. Um Grace and at his entrance, I'm re- re- reliably intel- told there is uh, reality TV star Mark Long from MTV was there. And for me, Hamflet, like, he's no Mickey Gooch. <laughs> hey, Mickey's here.
0: Uh, Mickey Gooch is Tyson's friend. I don't need Mark Long. I need a short Gooch. <laughs> uh,
1: and commentary... Fraser. Uh, Fraser. Okay, thought so. Uh, on commentary, they said about him, Fraser, being trained by Seth Rollins. And uh, early on... Uh, Fraser sort of out wrestles Waller, drop kicks him to the floor, goes to do the dive, and Waller goes, "No, I don't know about this," and he just sort of runs up the aisle a bit. So they brawl down there, uh, get him back in, allows Waller to take control, uh, hits a right hand on the floor, grabs a beach ball and Cesaro's it in front of the crowd mm-hmm. to the appropriate reaction, and then mocks Seth Rollins of all people, uh, setting up for I think he was going to curb stomp Fraser, but uh, that. F- Powers Fraser back up and uh he eventually knocks Wall to the outside and hits that mint tope of his, oh, that yeah. that suicide dive that he does. Um, which for me is is on par with Darby Allens. Mm-hmm. Different different way. Darby Allen uses his body like a bullet, basically. It's that's committed though, isn't it? But yeah, Fraser yeah. just doesn't know how to send people flying with it. Um to get back in the ring, Fraser goes for a pin, uh, but Wall is too close to the ropes and puts his hand on them to break the count. Um uh, he goes for a rolling stunner, but gets gets superkicked by Fraser. Uh, he gets a two count, but then Waller recovers and punches him down on the, in the corner. They're sort of fighting on the turnbuckles. Fraser gets shoved off the top rope, and it looks like he bumps out the ring. It looks like Waller's going to hit something huge off the top rope, and he just gets in position when all of a sudden an air horn goes off. It distracts Waller. He falls. Fraser gets back up top. It's the Phoenix Blast. Looks spectacular. I thought it was a real breakout performance mm-hmm. for Nathan Fraser. He gets the one, two, three, courtesy of Chase U. And that's Michael Hamfler. That right there is a teachable moment. Very nice. Very good. Uh, Nathan Fraser, WWE um, will uh,
0: we'll get a flyer every now and then with like a lot of moves in their arsenal and we'll want them to do less. And it's part of their, um, like, less is more philosophy with some of the, the book and They stripped some of the matches it's back. only TV. All of that kind of stuff. All of that, like, And that's, I think that's proven flawed at this point. But I, you sort of see where they did it because Nathan fraser has got so much more in his arsenal that he can almost drip feed it. You know, there's going to come a point where his Phoenix Splash is going to be for two counts and he's got something else that gets threes. This is how they kind of exploit the wrestlers that can do these things. I really enjoyed this. For, like, his dive, the Phoenix Splash was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Frazier himself I think tweeted something along the lines of one of the best nights of my entire life and I believe him and that's where the dream stuff Yeah, kind of like stuff. you know that's, you want to see that like it, people living their best lives is, is a nice like in spite of what we've maybe said about like the Sammy Guevara thing for example there is a version of living your best life that is just nice yeah. like it's there should be like more room for that and I, I believe all of that to be true so this was definitely a scaled back version of what we can expect from him but I kind of you could see why they were doing it and what you did get was still very good so I would say the match was broadly a success. I really wish they'd not gone with that finish, you know. It's I I I don't know. Maybe I'm just like too I was going to say I was too old and crusty for this, but then we've just talked about the demographic being even more <laughs> like even older than me, so I just feel as though if you're going to present this baby face who has got this incredible ability, would it really kill you to let his first win be a clean one? Mm. Like he's won it out of a heel like yes uh, the Phoenix Splash would keep any man down, but Waller's like slipped on a banana skin to end up in position for it. It's
1: because they're going to run this back about four more times. <laughs>
0: well, you are giving me the answer to the question. I just, I like, and I like Chase University as well. I love them. They're great. Like, I want more promos where he's going to like, just be shouting the odds and swearing all day. Effing and Jeffin' in Chase U. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I really wish they decided yeah. not to bring those two things together.
1: They think this is dovetailing storyline. It, it is not. I thought you were going to say the big D word from, from Sige then.
0: Look, like, I, I like wet leg and I went to school and I got the big D, but I would never trample on that most <laughs> on a shares long or otherwise. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: We got a vignette uh, ahead of the breakout tournament featuring Fallon Henley, uh, who's, I think she's the one associated with Boris Johnson and the like, isn't she? Uh, But she's also a country girl at heart who loves her horse. Luna, I think it was called. Didn't have horse stuff. I mean, I said vet, so I'm taking this as a win. Yeah. Animal stuff, innit? Animal stuff, yeah, we'll take it. Close enough. like, her and, like, uh, Last Legend.
0: It's it's cheating a bit, isn't it? Yeah, they've, they've been on TV for whoa, ages. Oh, whoa, whoa, You've
1: got you've already broken out. You like he's going
0: to be like in the ne- breakup next week. Sasha Banks.
1: I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we got another real highlight of this show: the sit down meeting. Uh, I thought this was great. I bet
0: you did. Yeah. Why don't you recap it and tell me what happened? Uh,
1: okay, so they meet along with their the Santos Escobar and uh, Tony D'Angelo, mm-hmm. uh, meet with their respective crews. They're, they're shot, shot at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. There's mafia music. Yeah, right of course here. there is. Uh, but uh, he's late, and uh, one of Legado tells him he's late, and he says, uh, listen here, Jekyll, <laughs> you're soon going to learn that when you're the Dan, people wait on you. And uh, Santos gestures to AJ uh, and asks why he's here. He said it was just meant to be just their cruise. And uh, uh, Tony says, AJ Galante, he's my consigliere. Huh? He's part of the family. You see, in my line of business, you need someone who can provide guidance. And Santos he says, I, I know what, what what it is. He doesn't belong here. And Tony says, Look, Santos, eh? I called this meeting before things escalated to a place where you don't want to be and I don't want to go. See, you and me, we are both very powerful men in our respective circles. We got off on the wrong foot, but I am a gracious man. I am willing to look past all the disrespect you have shown me, some of it knowingly and some of it unknowingly. <laughs> Maybe. God. But tonight we settle things like business Santos says he respects Tony, but not as a businessman. He says people on the streets, they know they can trust Santos Escobar. And he offered him this courtesy. But Tony, he chose to play games. The, the fish in the windshield and those goofs attacked him. Playing games, Santos says, is what brought us to this point. Playing games, Tony says. Nah. You see, Krebs is a game. Poker's a game. Even Yahtzee. I haven't played Yahtzee in years. Yahtzee! I love that. i you have a game of Yahtzee yeah. in the office this afternoon. I got
0: a friend who can ruin an evening because she's so competitive at <laughs> Oh, I've seen it happen.
1: You met my wife. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Tony continues. My guy stacks over there. We cut to see two dimes in stacks. <laughs> He's a mean dice player. <laughs> you know what I think, though? I think there's enough business to go around in NXT. Enough pie for Tony D and the Legados. And Santos says, "Yeah, I agree with you, but I believe we're at different points of this journey. You're you're just beginning. Why? Well, I, I have an empire. But, I've been, been ages. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe we can come together and share business. Maybe you, Tony, could could follow my lead. Oh, he doesn't like that. Follow your lead. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm the Don of NXT. I don't follow anybody. Who do you think you are? You crazy? You <laughs> schmuck! <laughs> right, I may have got big carried away there." <laughs> Anyway, at this point, A.J. Galante quite rightly steps in, uh, has a little word in his ear, and Santos says, oh, we don't need this tension. How about a truce? And uh, Tony says, I apologize for my hot headedness Santos apologizes for not understanding. And he says, my consigliere reminded me that this is what is best for family business, and peace is what is best for your business. Let's make a deal. A toast to the peace agreement. And Santos agrees and offers Tony some wine, who drinks it. And for a split second, I thought, oh, he's poisoned Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. and uh, But he's fine. He doesn't collapse or anything like that. And they cheers and they drink. And then Tony says, uh, huh, see you all around, Santos. See you all around. And Santos waits till he leaves and then tells Cruz, start the car. Goosebumps. <laughs> 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 Do you remember
0: how and you can almost, like, not everybody, I don't want to, like, cast aspersions, but you could almost divide the line between certain types and certain other types that would have had very different opinions on the Dib- dinner debonair.
1: Mm. Oh, uh, yes. I think you
0: can picture the types that would have liked it and the types that wouldn't have been so keen. Bear in mind that that took place in the middle of a goddamn pandemic when nobody could go anywhere, mm-hmm. and you just needed something <laughs> to distract you from anything. Uh, there was less time for wrestling in an empty building, and it was like they came up with such a, a creative thing, and then, it, and then the dinner party became... A musical number with, like, layered, with all peppered, seasoned, with all these incredible detailed references about things that had happened before with Jericho and MJF and things that would happen again with MJF. <laughs>
1: Jericho getting gas.
0: Like, really? Once more. <laughs> Once more. Like, like, but that was story-driven. I loved it. Like, that. MJF was replacing him, and he didn't like it, and there was an instant. It was, there was so much detail. It was so rich in detail. And yet people were still like, let's take dinner on a fucking wrestling show. Uh, there's nobody in the crowd. Why not? Of all yeah. the times they a steak dinner, which, by the way, is peppered with story. It's a peppered steak. Yeah, um, People are still livid. If any of those people knew that NXT 2.0 existed, (laughs) they would be absolutely raging with the state of this. Look, I love your performance of it. And I watched this knowing that I would be able to get to sit in a room in the presence (laughs) presence of greatness, getting to watch that recited. But at the exact point that you nearly flipped the table going, what did you just say? What is this? What are we doing? I started thinking the same about this podcast. (laughs) What did he just say? What is this? What are we doing? There was not so much as a, like a, a storyline driver, a character detail. No, like wrestling it just disappeared. You know what this was? This was, and this is like a niche reference I know you will appreciate, but I hope some of our American listeners will have enjoyed the American version. And this, ha- I don't know if this happens on the American version, but you know when on The Apprentice, when they get given the advertising task, Yes. And they forget that the fundamental job is to advertise the product. So you've got like, remember the year where it was like the, the Pants Man? Yes. And the job was to advertise pants. On The Apprentice, Alan Sugar, the dreadful tycoon, every apprentice has got one basically just wants you to slam the packet in the front of the camera. Yeah. And the product that year was pants. It was like, pants, buy the pants. Here's some pants. You know what pants are? Buy pants. That's what he wants his advert to look like. And then the, the buyer is always like, I really appreciate the pack shot. We're going to order 3,000 pairs of pants. And then they, and then they <laughs> win the task. But there's always one group. And in this particular year, it was this guy that like created a I couch. really liked him created a character called Pants Man. And he was wearing like, a, it was like a crap superhero that wore his pants over his trousers. And he was going to, wear, when you're out, having fun, have a dance, have a dance in your pants. And it's almost to the extent they forgot to like sell the pants. What are we selling here? Well, I don't know, a, a superhero, a Marvel film, like about, about <laughs> a guy with pants. Like, a dance in your pants. And like, Alan Jones was like, what the <laughs> hell was this? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that was very much how I felt the deeper in we got to this ludicrous world. I, like, I I try to make wrestling out of this non-wrestling. Mm. We get asked a lot, and, like, I'm going to be returning um, to the cesspool of Twitter soon, because I just can't help myself. Ah, welcome back. Yeah. But people that engage with us from this podcast, we've, you know, we've, like... With the exception of Matt Reigns. we love <laughs> these conversations because people are good people. Our listeners are great, and we just have like nice chats. But one of the questions I always struggle to answer is like, "What's your dream match? What's your AEW versus WWE?" Yeah, I don't really have any because like, I don't, I don't really want to watch them. Like AEW is a dream match factory full of different people I want to see wrestle. WWE every now and then needs to surprise me with matches I didn't really know I wanted. I'm just there's not a lot of overlap between the no. people I want. I would rather they just I wanted Cody to go to WWE. I want the people that want to have a more creative lifestyle, go to AEW yeah. and so on. I don't really want to see the overlaps. I've got one. I've finally got one. I want to see Two Dimes and Stacks versus Cool Han Ange and Daddy Magic. Oh, it's can like you I've finally got one that I want to see because the brief throw to them... Reminded me I was watching a frigging wrestling show. <laughs> like it's a good job. There's not another extended sequence that has virtually nothing to do with pro wrestling coming elsewhere on the oh, show. God. Otherwise, I'd think this broadcast was a complete joke.
1: I could could have cut the tension with a knife. I thought, I thought it's Oscar worthy this. Oscar, Oscar
0: worthy. What? Only in the way where as soon as they called Tony D'Angelo, what they called him, you were like, take that word out of your
1: mother ha, mouth. <laughs> Something along those lines, yes. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I've made work for you there. That's fine. I loved, uh, I loved, I just loved this. But I realised that it's maybe not for everyone. Uh, the Viking Raiders were interviewed, uh, talking about how ready <laughs> See, they it's are. It's not for everyone.
0: It's for you and Bruce Pritchard. It's yeah. for two people. It's not even for the wrestlers involved. i are
1: such a hypocrite. I'm like, who are you making this for? And then when they make stuff like that, well, they do the stuff that they do. And I think, oh God, who do you think you cater catering to? And then... You go and do a segment like that, Bruce Pritchard, and I think... Hey, 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 you all right. (laughs) (laughs) Viking Raiders are ready to hurt the Creed Brothers. In comes Pretty Deadly. Uh, It says, yeah, kill them. But don't forget, they're kind of damaged goods. We already sort of beat them. And the Raiders say, don't interrupt us. We'll really hurt you. And they go, okay, good point. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Uh, and then
0: he's <laughs> got a great point pretty deadly. He's <laughs> got a great point.
1: <laughs> Joe Gacy uh, says, oh, I better win this title tonight or bad things are going to happen. I'm I'm the change. And I think I thought, I thought, genuinely, I thought, well, if you lose, you go to the back of the line. Apparently, that's not the case, according to the end of this show. But no. We'll get there when we no. get there. Uh, next up, it was Natalia and Lash Legend versus Nikita Lyons and Cora Jade. Um, it was early on, it was Legend and Jade. She threw Jade into the corner, but Mr. Charge and Jade attacked and then we go to a commercial break after it's, it's a brutal like Cactus Jack-esque clothesline mm. uh, someone hit. When we come back, Natalia's working over Cora Jade. as a hot tag in Nikita Lyons who runs wild. She cleans house, uh, including a running blockbuster for a two count on Natalia. um But Lyons misses Natty, blind tagging out. Legend comes in to cut off Nikita Lyons um, and then she's, she's got her. She's got her in mount and then uh, a miscommunication costs Natalia in Lash Legend. And Natalia accidentally drop kicks her own partner. That's how he gets chucked out of the ring. Uh, Lions does that interesting leg drop thing that she does, the, where she normally tries to pin them. Yeah. Uh, but Jade... What amazes
0: practicing so they can do Mortal Kombat.
1: Indeed. Yeah. And then Jade, Cora Jade comes off the top with a flying senton on uh, and covers Legend. One, two, three.
0: Uh, I don't know. Like, this is almost impressive in how unremarkable it was. It was... It, was mostly well executed which like i know that sounds like a, a patronizing and low bar but like a lot of these matches aren't well yeah, executed well, on an, a on 2.0 we're watching we say this a lot we're watching people develop on television it's not the place where they should be developing and getting these reps but they're getting them here nonetheless i i, I couldn't feel a thing for this they're like what they've never understood about miscommunications and how can they coexist is that you need a bond in the first place yes. to feel breaking down, and there's just there's not one. Of course, there's not one. Natalia has been in NXT for all of like three or four weeks, and even then, this has been very forced in order to set this tag match up. So it doesn't it doesn't achieve what they want it to achieve because you don't come away. So like Natalia worked um, got to the final of the uh, women's title tournament in 2014 and lost to Charlotte Flair. And there was a bunch of wrestlers that people didn't know all that well on NXT who would go on to become like your likes of V4 Horsewomen and the people that like were the foundational members mm. of the AW Women's uh, the AW, the NXT women's roster. Natalia, on the other hand, was seen as this one of very few credible women on a divas roster mm. who wanted to prove herself because she just didn't feel like there was competition. That in itself became a really good self-contained story. And then when she loses to Charlotte, in, by the way, at that point, probably the best women's match in WWE and NXT history, it shows itself to be this great achievement for Charlotte. Because not only has she won the title, she's beaten somebody like nobody else could have imagined beating in a Natalia. Yes. All of this is the opposite of that. Because Natalia is not established as this danger to the new women. She miscommunicates like any old loser would. <laughs> like, the whole thing she's supposed to have is experience. And she's, like, it's one of the... Like, it's like a rookie mistake, isn't it? Miscommunicating with yeah. your partner. Rookie error. So the baby faces don't get that feeling of, God, they've achieved something here today. And the match isn't that good. So you're left with not a single memory of the in-ring to draw from. No, I really from, struggled with this. To draw from if and when Cora Jade gets her singles match with Mandy Rose. And you're like, yeah, let's, uh, let's relive how Cora Jade uh, got like sort of bounce back from the setback at standing the liver yeah. and like climb the ladder all over again. You're not going to remember any of those stages of the journey and it just, I, like, I, if I, if it sounds like I've avoided talking about the match to talk about the bigger
1: picture stuff, it's because that's what all of this should exist for. Yes. And none of it was successful in that regard. No. Um, We got another vignette for the breakout tournament this time. It was Titan Paxley. She's a power lifter. Yeah. Uh, and she's going to win the, the, the tournament. Uh, and then, Let's go to the beach each. Let's go get away with JC Jane and Gigi Dolin. And they go there and they they drive there and they pop the towels down, take their their flip-flops off, and they go and do sexy frolicking in the sea. And who should pop up to spy on them but Wendy Chu and Roxanne Perez Roxanne's not really sure about this, but Wendy choose just basically like follow my lead. She means sign in for this company. <laughs> yes, and uh, she uh, she steals their flip flops and their car keys. Mm. So when they come back, i car keys, and then they spot them. I think, or they try to leave the beach. I can't remember what order of this came in. Yeah. It's hot though. They they,
0: they, spot, they stay on the beach long enough to be seen as the perpetrators of this yes. dreadful crime. Like they they want them to. They want them to see that it was them. Like it's, it's that old film thing, isn't it? Like, I want you to see who did this to you. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's s- like Kill Bill.
1: Yes, indeed. So they see Chew and Perez, and they go after them, but the, the, the floor's, <laughs> floor's hot because it's sunny, isn't it? And uh, well, they've done the worst thing that you could possibly do, which is move their car a bit further away. <laughs> no! no. They didn't stolen, steal the car. They just drove it to the other side of the parking lot and took their flip-flops so they'd have hot feet. And then, like, through the flip-flops on the floor. Yeah, they said you can have the flip-flops back, and like, your car It's just slightly over there.
0: It was a literal minor inconvenience. Yeah, isn't it? If going from like there, and it's all the way over there, it's the equivalent of like parking the car at the end uh, of the asda car park, <laughs> and I've got to walk slightly further with my bags of shopping. What the f- hell was this? Like, honestly, maybe this was maybe this was worse than the Tony D'Angelo Lagarda Fantasma one. It was. Well, you would say that. Maybe it was because what happened when the spring-breaking theme was devised was the writers, all 60 of them, Gee. were tasked with coming up with a way that we could get toxic attraction in bikinis. And they're like, and like one writer went, sunbeds! And another writer went, the beach! And a third writer went, I'm about to piss myself! <laughs> and the deed was done. And we had these two skits, and we had these two bits of Wendy Chew and Paul... Roxanne Perez being forced out to do this nonsense. I, just, I don't despair. I'd be, it'd be performative if I came on here and pretended, like, what are you doing to the sacred tenants of this business? <laughs> because we know what they're doing yeah. to the sacred tenants of their own gags, and it's pulling them really hard. Mm. I just, just Toxic collection are like, what we are supposed to care about is the, is the tag team titles.
1: How oh, are we? And the tag team <laughs>
0: and, the ta- and the and the belts. We're supposed to care about the belts, and they're gonna have a match. This is gonna set up a tag team match. Where they're like, we don't want to lose those titles. It's like you look like a couple of idiots. <laughs> you look like a couple of Mónica playing idiots. If
1: they don't and have like a home alone themed match. Then what's this all for?
0: I agree. I actually agree. It's it, the story is in service of some sort of stunt match where Wendy Chu and Roxanne Perez play Kevin, trying to stay one step ahead of the Wet Bandits.
1: Guess who can play the uh, bloke with a shovel, old man Champa? Old man just steps in at the end. Oh man, there he is with a the shovel. no penny he kills kids with that shovel. Old man Champa giving a the creep. Oh you know the it's not the worst thing, but all of this is. The and worst and thing. also, guess who? Uh, guess who? Uh, Vince and Bruce can play the sticky bandits. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about them
0: coming in the pants.
1: The worst thing about this is all. And you think? I oh, think oh, that's crass. We're going to get to a masturbation joke later. Yeah, it's it,
0: it's coming. <laughs>
1: um,
0: the worst thing about this, apart from it all being the worst, is that in this segment, like, it has to lead to a title match, which is embarrassing. In the Tony D'Angelo, this is a problem. This whole stupid show, right? Is that all of these people are involved in these silly universe-breaking skits? when a, a serious bit happens like a title match you can't take it seriously or in the case of the the face off between these two opposing stables now ones two families mm. the serious bit is uh von wagner <laughs> winning a wrestling match and you like he's the like that guy is the smart one
1: like rising above all this thank god von Wagner's here to say <laughs> <it>.
0: <laughs> like to sort of like re, like rein in like the credibility of all this a little mm. bit thank goodness for von
1: wagner <laughs> Speaking of main roster stars that could pop up on this show, yeah. very surprised that we haven't had one because it does look like Vince and Bruce like to edge themselves. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Green Brothers versus Viking Raiders was next. Raiders batter <laughs> you him think early you know
0: on. Me? Never seen me <laughs> yeah,
1: <joking. laughs> batter each other. Um, Jacking his big fiend dick. Spooge instead of the brood. At Well At fiend WWE. Is that where fiend's mind lives? Yeah. On Twitter. Follow him. He's great man. Uh, So, yeah, Raiders deck the Creeds early on. They actually hit the Viking experience very early on on Julius for a two count. But Brutus comes in, fights back up. It's a release gut-wrench suplex on uh, Eric... Ivar comes off the apron with a splash to take us to the, uh, the ad break when we come back. Uh, Brutus suplexes his way out of a headlock, brings in Julius, and they slam Eric. Um, exchanging suplexes, Ivar gets two, and then he drops Eric onto Brutus uh, to add insult to injury. There's a uh, super superplex spot where Julius, I think, jumped up to the top rope. Mm-hmm. Great spot that did. And he suplexed Ivar, and that got a huge dab. Uh, the Viking Raiders hit that. Leg drop, the a thing that they do. The signature of theirs on Julius. But Brutus dives in to break it up. And then in the midst of all this, uh, Eric tries to get himself up by the ropes. And in comes a mystery figure that's revealed to be Roderick Strong wearing a hoodie. And he clocks Eric with a jumping knee strike. And he turns around into that sliding lariat by Julius Creed, I believe it was. One, two, three. The Creed brothers get the victory. But then they see what happened on the replay. They see that Strong got involved and they are not happy.
0: Yeah, um, just to the finish in a second, because this match was yet more evidence where none is needed at this point. That, like, wrestling is way more... Not the physical act of it, but, like, booking a wrestling match, agent in a wrestling match, presenting one, is nowhere near as hard as WWE make it. Mm. The Viking Raiders, ignore, like, here they are on the main roster. Like, call them the War Raiders if you want, and then remember, or War Machine, and remember a different time. But the Viking Raiders are... Um, Big guys that can do things that big guys shouldn't be able to do. Exactly. The Creed Brothers are not so big, but can completely manhandle anybody, big or small. And put those two things together, like combustible elements, as Jim Ross likes to say, and you get a match that plays out like this. This felt, for a change on NXT 2.0, like a match that didn't require all the people backstage, all the cooks in the kitchen that spoil the food. Yeah. You know, like you just got to watch exactly the match you would have liked to see from the Creed Brothers versus the Viking Experience. Now, here's me. An idiot podcaster that could therefore be taking credit away from agents to help pieces together, but I'm not in this industry, and this is the match I would have wanted to see between these four men. Absolutely. So I'm just glad that I got to watch it happen for a bit. Of course, we got the finish, and look, I don't actually mind the finish too much because, as you say, the the hard reset on the Diamond Mine is weird and awkward, and Roderick Strong is obviously being positioned as somebody that has alienated the remainder of the group without Vivin's mm-hmm. there to hold any of it together. and it's, it's the whole thing's falling apart. Yeah. It? But, like, Ivy Niles' positioning as somebody else that doesn't particularly like Strong's bloody whinging on. (laughs) And him already feeling, like, as we've heard in reality, these, like, repeated attempts he's had to get released, he already kind of feels like another... You know, like, increasingly, the bygone NXT stars feel more and more out of place with every passing week. So, the ones that remain feel like they've never belonged less. So, I don't mind that because... It, it feels sort of logical. The natural progression is the Creed... Either Strong turned on them first and finding a partner... Or them being sick of him and battering him... And him going to look for somebody for that tag. Mm. That'll probably rule. Yeah, Depend, Depending what partner he gets... That'll probably be fantastic. I thought these two teams worked really well together though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I really enjoyed the match for what it was. It was like... I'm glad it didn't take six weeks to get here... Because you could have done this last week. And yeah. it would have been pretty much an identical match... A much better example of what they were trying to achieve with um, the Cora Jade tag. They do actually feel elevated slightly, the Creed Brothers, as a
1: result of this. Uh, So, uh, AJ Galante is approached by Santos in the parking lot. He just clearly doesn't watch the show. Why are you doing that? He says uh, to AJ, look, Tony deserves your wisdom. And, you know, who'd know what would happen if he lost it? He'd probably suffer quite a lot. And then, of course, he attacks him throws him in Legado's car, and they drive off. Another NXT kidnapping. I mean, it's not just another
0: NXT kidnapping. It's not just another car park attack. It's another phantasmal one. <laughs> it is their calling card call at this point, isn't it? Car park attacks, kidnappings, all that sort of stuff. They, I, they didn't put Rick Steiner in a cage, but they, they know what they're doing in that car park, in the dark especially. I would love it so much.
1: I like the fact that Tony's a baby face. It, th-
0: we're here this has happened right this is absolutely he is we saw it last week with him randomly coming out and slapping fives and smiling against Wong Wagner and like it, it has definitely happened this was more confirmation of it how funny would it be right you've got now uh, Tony D and his, his boys what, Channing
1: No, I don't know I, I just remember stacks and two dimes. Stacks and
0: two dimes. and two dimes. Oh, Channing is one of their names yeah with Tony D versus uh, Lagarde Fantasma how funny would it be next week. Like that match is obviously going to get announced, right? If uh, they unveiled the NXT Trio's titles. Oh! <laughs> because somebody somebody has sat on that idea way too long. Yep. <laughs> and what if? Just what if? Oh, I don't don't. It's <laughs> still my beating heart. And there's three belts and like, because it's a men's division title, like, belt on the left. Big bollock in the middle. <laughs> on the right. Big
1: bollock in the middle. <laughs> about in the middle. Yeah. It's a long belt. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, I like it. I'm really excited. Like to see women's it. trios would be tit, tit, vagina. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how Tony responds to this uh, disrespect next week. <laughs> Cru- cruise with like trios belt,
0: ass, 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 ass. ass.
1: <laughs> Alba Fire, the former Kaylee Ray, uh, is going to re debut next week, and she set her name on fire with a baseball bat to show that. Fine. And then uh, we. <laughs> well, got I say it about
0: the moment? Our no, Scottish wrestlers with weapons that they can never use. Drew McIntyre is never going to stab somebody with a sword. She is never going to swing a flaming baseball bat at somebody in the NXT 2.0. And 0. connect with it.
1: She's going to swing. Is she ain't going to connect. <laughs> I mean, it looks
0: like he could burn that synthetic building to the ground, <laughs> doesn't
1: it? Uh, so Boris Johnson and Brian Johnson... Uh, They're backstage. (laughs) I don't know what the names are. Uh, They're backstage, and uh, Jensen, I believe, is one who got his hand injured. Uh, And the doc says normally it's a ten to twelve week recovery process. And they're like, "Oh bloody hell, I can't believe it." Mm -hmm. He says, "Actually, though, your your right hand is a lot stronger than your left hand. Why that? Why might that be?" And they both go, "Oh, he's been wanking." (laughs) And then he goes, "Oh, it's probably because it's your dominant hand, isn't it? Uh, You know, it's the hand you write with." And he's, "Oh yeah, 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 that's the case." Uh, But he says, uh, "Because how strong you are." Uh, it's gonna be six to eight weeks. <laughs>
0: the plot point, the the thing that's gonna move us on from one stage, attack, attack, middle bit, match, yeah, Pro wrestling, Right, the middle bit is Jensen Button masturbate mm. or whatever his name is. I don't know.
1: Jed, but now he can't because his hand's injured. So
0: are they suggesting... So he's going to be
1: powered by jizz to victory. Like, he's
0: going to be so literally full of cum that he's going to just, like, sort of have more (laughs) (laughs) energy. Is it the opposite of Popeye needing spinach? Does he actually need to release? Yeah. Does he need to, like, emit Is it a
1: big big trouble in Little China where he's just going... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus! Jensen, what are you doing?
0: Or, or, is he going to become... An Ambidextrous Masturbator. Yeah. Right? Which is actually, a lot of people don't know this, right? The AM in the Arctic Monkeys album title is, stands for Ambidextrous <laughs> Masturbator. And they're going to move from country music into British India of the mid-2000s. And that's going to be like, Saw her drinking vodka through her hands. Like they're <laughs> they're, they're going to become ambidextrous masturbators. They're going to hit him with rights and left. Do you know who else is ambidextrous and really fantastic as a sport as a result? He's Ronnie O'Sullivan. Oh, for
1: Christ's sake. Ronnie O'Sullivan is ambidextrous. He Don't sit on. down because <laughs> I've got a. <laughs> oh. <B-b-boner. laughs> Joe Casey. Yeah, the
0: Cowboys have got a masturbate with the left hand for six to eight weeks. Okay. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Rodie. Oh! Uh, Do Joe. you know, right. Just pull back the curtain a second, right? The curtain, pull yeah. back the curtain. Um, me and you were doing this today, like Michael Sedgwick, conspicuous by his absence, mm-hmm. um, on a training course. Yes. We can say that, can't we?
1: Yeah,
0: we're doing it tomorrow. We're doing it tomorrow. We're on a, a work training course, so um, it'll be probably Sedgwick and Murray, I yes. imagine. Like, how has this happened?
1: <laughs> and the funny thing is, the reason why it was meant to be you today, and it was going to be Sidg, right, yeah. Sidg, uh doing the course with me tomorrow, so me and him would have done it, and then you and uh, Andy would have taken yeah. taken care of the pod He's got to pick up the kids tomorrow. <laughs> so apparently he can't do it or whatever.
0: Like, you know, there's going to be the they bring on a women's title match. There's going to be well, just an episode of AEW. I don't yeah. need to listen. To We're going to preview it later on. There's going to be an episode of AEW Dynamite in
1: general. We are sat here and I'm literally talking about a wrestler that can't find his cock with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the real real winners. We'll find out after we talk about Joe Gacy versus Brombreaker for the NXT Championship. During Gacy's entrance, has this ever happened before where it turned black and white? Only for Bron Breaker to bring the colour, bitch. Uh,
0: no, they, they keep doing... And I like this. They keep doing stuff with Bron Breaker's big entrances, don't they? There's always something... <laughs> like he, 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 They find different ways for him to destroy Triple H's legacy week by like, week. <laughs> this time was him bringing the colour. So in their mind, Joe Gacy, the black and white and everything, there was a, the bloody capital wrestling centre. Like the, one of those old-timey record players. <laughs> Bron <Braun> Breaker! <laughs> it's like... Like, every every now and then, like, my kids don't watch a lot of terrestrial television every now and then, so I don't see this very often. Unfortunately, they're exposed to advertising through literally every video they watch. But remember how Kids TV, when we were younger, used to be in, we were in a hotel at the weekend, and we had to put the telly on because otherwise I would have had to parent them or talk to them. We put put the telly on the room while we were getting some bits done, and they were watching Channel channel 5, Milkshake, or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then in between the kids' shows, there was adverts, and I forgot i oh, like, so some of the programming's pretty good. You might have like Peppa Pig or something and you're watching It's like, yeah, I, I know. I feel okay with my kids in the company of this TV show. Phyman Sam, I think it was another one. Oh. And then it's like a uh, cut to the advert. It's like, uh, yeah. Kids are, coming next on milkshake. Phyman Sam. I was like, it's like wild wacky action bag <laughs> buy stuff buy stuff buy stuff buy stuff can you buy this bag please mom and it's like sort of this, every advert it's just this person this adult screaming at you while kids have the best time of their lives uh, yeah and it's a bit like the transition between joe casey and Brown Breaker. Exactly it's right. like this guy is
1: kind of rubbish bro break in the goddamn house But <laughs> well, you did like the fact he wore his dad's singlet no no, I didn't,
0: Wilbur. Oh, okay. You, yeah, I you assumed, were, I assumed. You were thinking this was a freebie, weren't you? The colour's not right. It's close, but it's not right. Because yeah, he said it's it's the same singlet. It ain't the same singlet, and brother. I heard Let me say no, that wasn't the case. Like, the numbers were... With not quite aligned, like it was a bit wackier in the on the on Rick Steiner's one, and it was like a different, like his was more of a sort of peachy thing, and Steiner's was more of a sort of pale orange. I was annoyed at that, <laughs> you can tell it like I'm pretty, so the mad. one thing they tried to
1: do is to cater to you, they messed up.
0: And Rick Steiner wore that, not most famously, but wore it. I believe somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. I think he wore it on the first episode of Monday Night Raw when the Steiner's were successful, yeah, in the Manhattan Cinema in January 1993. Why was this not made for Braun Breaker's Monday Night Raw title win?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See? Because they don't think about things until about 10 minutes before they go, yeah, it's basically the same, isn't it?
0: So what you're saying is, yes, the one redeeming feature the Smash might <laughs> has now been ripped away because
1: I'm a miserable bastard. So early on, Breaker is on Breaker, basically, and Gacy gets powered out to the floor, but he cheap shots him and takes control, trips him up, uh, knocks Breaker off the apron, and we go to a break, and then when we come back, it's like, right, okay, big rush to the finish. Um, Breaker gets pulled off the middle rope as we come back, and Joe Gacy goes, what if I was the flipping thief?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or I should, I should say
1: Bray Wyatt, because he he, cli- he like, climbed up in the corner then turned himself upside down, and I went, Bray Wyatt. See, that's, that's that is... It was, I don't know, it was strange that, that they thought, yeah, that's a thing. We'll just do that and make, that won't make him think of anyone else. Or maybe it is going to make, them, but then I'd like Bray Wyatt a lot more than I liked the Joe Gacy character and what he's become in recent weeks.
0: That was bracing. <laughs>
1: anyway. Anyway, um, I think it was Bray, yeah, Breaker comes back then, uh, hits him with shoulders, running clothesline, uh, but the b- belly-to-belly overhead gets blocked, so Gacy hits a reverse DDT, gets a two-count Uh, But Breaker fires back up, and it's the Steiner bulldog. That gets him a near fall. Um, Breaker, I did like this. Now, this I did like. Mm -hmm. Goes to charge into the corner. Gacy gets out of the way, but Breaker stops himself because he's learned from the Dolph Ziggler match at Stand and Deliver. Uh, That sets up a Frankensteiner. Um, Belly-to-belly gets another two-count for Breaker, but he misses a charge, and that allows Gacy to hit I don't really know what it was. I've written down Alabama slam. It wasn't an Alabama slam. No. It was this weird, he sort of had it on his back and he mm-hmm. slammed him down. I, I, I thought it looked pretty cool, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, also hit a sit-out powerbomb, and maybe that's what I'm thinking of here. Gacy gets two off that back of that, goes to that mint finisher of his. I do like the handspring, Larry, that yeah. he does, but he misses that, and Breaker recovers, spears him, one, two, three. There we go. Ron Baker retains. Let's move on to the next feud, except no, because as Breaker's celebrating and he's all smiles with the title and the show's are just about to go off the air, Breaker's celebrating and two of the druids are standing on the apron as the show closes.
0: Wolfpack Sting is a druid now. <laughs>
1: this guy with this red face in a druid outfit was like, your, your nightmare is not over, Brand Breaker." And I was like, they were like, it's only just beginning. And I thought, oh.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ, I know. The match wasn't great. The finish was um, to the letter. I think what we predicted on the preview. Wasn't yeah, it? goes for the goes for the big handspring misses breaker wraps it up. Like fine, like that's that's where these wrestlers are at and what they should be doing. I suppose we have been particularly at pains to say that Joe Gacy is not the man at fault for the problem. Oh with no, in ring. And I thought there was there was some evidence of that here that if only. If only the gimmick wasn't so overpowering, he would be able to wrestle around it. Mm-hmm. But I think it is very overpowering. And I think the upside-down moment was a realisation of that because we've been jokingly referring to him as Fiend because, A, we just really miss the Fiend and think, it like, WB has never been more tailored to a character like the Fiend. But, B, because this stuff is so Fiend-adjacent that it feels like a parody almost mm-hmm. as a result. And, I like, they have... They have imposed upon Joe Gacy this thing that he has to do. And look, we all go to work to satisfy the whims of our boss. So I don't want to be too harsh on Joe Gacy for following, presumably following instructions in a way where he gets backstage and they're like, that is exactly what we wanted. Thank you very much for that. In their minds, they believed it's moved um, Bron Breaker along and indeed moved this frigging story along to wherever we're going next. But it's, it's, it's the opposite of developmental because it's not developing the skills of this man. You can see it now. You can see that this is actively harming the development yeah. of a Joe, of someone like a Joe Gacy, because you've put him in a boiler suit and you've asked him to be the fiend. It's just frustrating. Brom Breaker was all right. It was the That Dolph Ziggler detail was nice. It was, what they're presumably going to do is going to give you like a where's Wally to look for in every match. They're not, it's not just him winning the belt that is charting the growth. They want you to see it in every single yeah. match, because this man is, almost as fresh as what we've been shown. He'd had, like, remember the 2.0 debut and he was just unleashed on the world and you went in this cage match. You had, like, four matches or something, Yeah, ever. Like, you were almost getting him exactly as he's being presented yes. to you. There's no logo loop anymore. Nope. There's not really house shows that he would feature on. It's pretty much it. Like, match by match, you're watching it. So actually inserting that into the matches with things like... You know, and it's it's laid out on a plate for you because it's WWE, but I'm not going to do that thing that I did last time. That's maybe not the worst way to go for
1: no. Breakers. I don't, I don't hate that. Um, I don't think they need to put him in as long a matches as they are. I realize they're trying to make him <laughs> WWE standard, but the problem that WWE always seem to not realize is not everyone has to have the same match. No. It, like yeah. I, I, Goldberg is a very divisive figure, and I certainly am not suggesting that, you know, we should just have a Goldberg 2.0. Yeah. But there was always a certain intrigue in WCW. When you when you brought it back, for a brief period it happened in WWE, and then Triple H came along and went, right, let's see if he can go twenty minutes. Well they brought this before they fixed yeah, it. Yeah, and know? then they and then when it came back and he was older and you were like, All right, this is a piss take that he's he's smashing these dudes in four minutes, aside from the Brock Lesnar stuff, yeah. obviously. Um But yeah, why not just have Bron Breaker be a guy who like, you know, Survive if I let you. You ain't I'm, getting to te- you ain't getting to ten minutes with him. Basically,
0: I would love next for Bron Breaker. I mean, we're not getting that because he's feuding
1: with Darth Maul. they <laughs> from the House of Red. Like,
0: I would love him to have a feud with somebody where they don't physically interact and it lasts four weeks, and the heel is like a wisecracking arsehole, and then Bron just destroys Trazen him. Waller. yeah, perfect, perfect. Like he talks himself into such a position that. He, he believes, doesn't matter if you don't, he believes that he is going to become NXT champion. And it doesn't matter that Braun's got a great spear because Grayson Waller says, well, I'm brilliant at six things. You, you've seen how many hobbies I've got. Yeah. Like, I've, <laughs> got, I've got all these different skills. Like the Pat McAfee thing, I've been a millionaire in eight industries. Like Grayson Waller, but I've taken training courses in eight industries. <laughs> like, he, he does that sort of thing. And then he just, he talks himself into it. And then Braun is Braun. And it's like, oh, sorry, he knocked. And then, like, Hogan would do this going all the way back. Like, Hogan wouldn't work the, the TV shows every week. And he certainly wouldn't go long, apart from, like, setting up his own big comeback. Mm-hmm. He, this one guy would be like, I'm going to take out Hulk Hogan. And then Hulk Hogan would just beat him. And he would beat him with the Hulk Hogan stuff that got Hulk Hogan over. Breaker is, like, a long way from that ability yeah. of, like, crowd control. But the spots that he's got that are good are class. Yeah, His spear is an absolute ripper. Preserve it, protect it. Don't make him have to suffer for 10 minutes to get his breath back to do it.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I
0: I hate the red face, Drew. (laughs) Like, today, I haven't done this, right? The the way that they faded out, was that designed for, like, go online and see what happened after the camera stopped rolling? And I asked that question as part of a two-parter because did you? No, I didn't go online. No,
1: I just went, I'll see you next week, I suppose. Right, me neither.
0: So either something has actually happened and we don't need to review it because it didn't take place on television, or, and this is much worse... In reality, like what? The camera stopped rolling, so the Druid like, oh, if it's not being filmed? I'll wait on <laughs> yeah. it." Yeah. Or like Bron Breaker just didn't turn around for ages until the Druids had left. Like The fans were like, Bron, behind you. He's like, what? <laughs> no, like now, Like now. it's going to have to be now. He's going, what? <laughs> you know, you've got like a minute tops so he's going to be able, Judy. Yeah, now. Okay, well, I guess I'll turn it. There's nothing there. <laughs> and the Red Druid is like, I'm getting to do <laughs> Yeah, with well,
1: What's well, happening in that Druid's life this week? I don't know, but we'll find out next week. That's <laughs> for damn sure. Uh, let us know your thoughts on NXT O oh, Spring Break in on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll obviously be previewing NXT O oh, next week, and later on today we'll be previewing AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the NXT O oh, Spring Break in review. My thanks to Michael Ham. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.